You're listening to Tripods Cast. Episode 8 Merchandising. Hello and welcome to this episode of Tripods Cast. My name is Rebecca Ray and with me are my co-hosts Danny Ray Hi. and John Isles. Hello. In this episode we're going to be talking about merchandise relating to the tripods including comics, computer games and other various knickknacks. But first... For those of you with long memories or you've listened to the podcast recently, in episode 6 we spoke about a recent article in Doctor Who magazine about Quantel Paintbox. They neglected to mention the tripods, so we thought we'd set them to rights and uh, drafted a letter to the letters page. And lo and behold, they published a letter and they made it star letter as well. So your fabulous host here will be each receiving a copy of a new Big Finish Doctor Who audio drama. A Colin Baker. Hooray. Based mm. on a Russell T Davies script that he wrote in the 80s that uh, mm. was never made. So, for those of you who don't have access to the magazine, I'll read the letter. We thoroughly enjoyed reading both the Digital Age article and interview with Jim McCarthy in issue 573. We were surprised that one of the BBC TV series they used Quantal Paintbox in the groundbreaking way didn't get a mention, the tripods. In addition to the models of the towering tripods, producer Richard Bates used Quantel to create the animated opening title sequence. The production had to borrow a Quantel paint box from the BBC's weather department after the last weather forecast at 10pm and return it by 6am the next morning in time for the next forecast. They were able to create 5 frames of animation per session and completed the 30 second long titles over a 5 month period. We also convincingly added digital maps of the White Mountains to live action scenes recorded in Snowdonia in the first series. Another triumph of ingenuity and technology using Quantel was combining a full size 30 feet tall tripod leg recorded on location with a model of the top half of a tripod machine looming over a quiet English village in a memorable sequence in the opening episode. Woo! <laughs> there we go. Okay, so first we're going to discuss the comics, so we'll start by looking at Boy's Life comic. Boy's Life magazine ran a weekly serialised comic strip of the tripods adapting all three books, which ran from May 1981 through to August 1986. Boys Life magazine is now known as Scout Life and is the monthly magazine of the Boy Scouts of America. The magazine is based in Texas and has a target demographic of boys and girls aged 6 to 18. The magazine first launched in 1911 and changed its name in 2018 to reflect the inclusion of Girl Scouts to the BSA program. So guys, what, what are our thoughts on the Boys Life comic? When I read the first page, I immediately thought of, of Danny because we had that bit from the book with the faded sign saying Danger 6,000 volts electricity, which they had me on to include in the TV series. And also, Jack told Will about visiting the uh, rusted ships yes. that, were, that were made by men. And I thought, that's really good because they condensed so much. But they got all those points in there. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Boys Life one because it was so true to the book. Yeah. where I, And I understand, like, from a comic point of view, you can because... It's still, you know, a form of book, isn't it? You know, mm. it's still words. There's yeah. pictures accompanying those words. But, yeah, I liked how true to the book it was and how it didn't 
want to do its own thing. Yeah. It was very much like, do you know what? This is a damn good story and we're going to tell this damn good story as it is. We don't need to alter it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Apart I get from one thing they did alter. What did they alter? They altered Beanpole's name. He wasn't Jean-Paul. Oh, yeah. Well, it was Jean-Paul, but it was phonetically spelled yeah, as I... Jean, Jean, Z-H-A-N yeah. hyphen yeah, but it, P-O-L-E. But, but you're going to tell me, especially if it's set in Texas, this magazine. Yeah. yeah. Really, you're thinking Texans are going to go, oh yeah, that. They're going to read it yeah. as Zan. They're going to go, Zan-Paul? Yeah. Zan-Paul. Sounds did, like Beanpole. They did correct it to Jean-Paul later. Well, they did, but... There was curious spellings in some other things, like teenager was hyphenated, which I thought was weird. Oh, I, I've seen teenager hyphenated. It could have yeah, possibly been... Yeah, I've seen that. It's in, 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 in the early 80s, so... That one, that one I'm not going to no. berate so much. It makes sense. I like the sort of the title pages of all three. Where yeah. Where the sort of montage yes. of images from the full story. To get you excited. Yeah, I thought that that was quite good. Yeah. And, and the colours were really good as mm. well. Yeah, it was. I think it was just done really well. The, uh, the, the masters in this, they looked like something that, that could have appeared in 2000 AD. Mm. They have that kind of strange... Uh, otherworldly looked of it, don't they? They look like what I thought, so I'm happy. Yeah. Like, that's literally what I imagined. I found the difficulty I had with this comic, though, was other than Beanpole, I couldn't tell the boys apart. I'd be thinking, is this Henry talking or Will? Oh, it's Fritz. Yeah. I don't know anymore. There were uh, moments where Fritz I really... Fritz had black hair. I couldn't yes. remember. I, I think at one point, I'm sure, one of the boys changed the hair colour because it was confusing. I, I agree with Rebecca. I couldn't quite tell it was no, Will or Henry sometimes, but yeah, I Fritz agree. had black hair. I noticed that. Yeah, Beanpole was blonde. Fritz was, had black hair, and then Henry and Will were identical, and I'd be like, which one's which again? Oh, right, yeah, okay. Well, the thing is, I think they were identical early on, but I think by the pool of fire, the hair, one of them, I think Henry was yeah. drawn differently, the, it threw me. They probably realised that, that they looked too similar. They probably drew them similar to begin with, because of the family, mm. thinking, yeah. get the familiar... Yeah. you know, resemblance, and they've kind of gone, yeah, oh, actually, it might be a bit too confusing. I can't help noticing on, what is it, the first or second page of the comic, it mentions how the boys are looking forward to capping. Yeah, uh, everyone is looking uh, yeah. for. What do you think of the design of a cap? It was kind of like a kind of lace spider web, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, well, I found that interesting. Mm. Well, it's a way to depict it, I guess, because... Like that, there's no real definitive... Again, actually, I'm going to say it. This guy who drew it must just be in my brain because <laughs> I, in the books, that's how I, dep- I, I, I visualised it. Yeah, me and that artist, we've got the same wavelength. Yeah. Well, I guess because they describe it as being like a mesh thing that has to have the hair woven yeah. through it. So I guess a spider web is a possible interpretation of that. Yeah, that's quite good. Now, speaking of capping, I found one interesting thing that came up in this comic was they're saying if you get capped in France... Willow and Henry, it says you're likely to become a vagrant because of the language difference. Pretty sure oh, they said yeah. that in the book as well. Did they? Yeah. There are some odd things where I'm like writing saying, is this in the book or not? There are more echoes and references of the books in the comic strips, which uh, I, I, I enjoyed. Although, did you notice the kind of censoring, watering down references to alcohol? When, when Will's in, in the City of Golden Land, mm. I think Fritz says that the bubbles are like medicine to the masters rather than drink mm. to us. And in the Pool of Fire, they talk about grog rather than alcohol yeah. to poison the masters to get them to sleep. And they just think, all right, we're trying to be wholesome Boy Scout-ish, I suppose. You know, if I try to say, even in the 80s, that alcohol is a weapon to use to free mankind, uh, some people might frown upon that. What do you think? Well, given the other kind of comics they drew in that Boys Life comic were Bible stories and such, uh, it doesn't surprise that, me. Yeah. But does... I mean, Grog is a drink anyway, isn't it? It's yeah. slang for uh, rum or something, isn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, another funny thing, a quirk of the artwork, is that the boys seem, seem to be wearing a lot of short shorts. Uh, <laughs> not just in the city of Golden Lead. Their outfits in the city of Golden Lead are more like what I imagined when reading the books. Yep. Le- less, less space yeah. helmet. Same way of length as, as you, Danny. Yeah, pretty much. The other thing is I didn't imagine being Paul's blonde. No. Another thing in the book, not in the TV series, was the, the donkey-powered barge. Mm. And yes, I've ever heard that, hasn't it? Yeah. And one thing that's different is Will is the one who decides they should take back water and air samples and not oh, Fritz. Yeah. Make it more heroic. Mm. It's Will who's like, oh, let's go grab these, and he's like getting jars or something. Yeah, which is different because obviously in, even in the book, it's Fritz who, who tells Will, here, take these. Yeah, whereas in this, Will's more proactive with that. Something else about my notes is City of Golden Lead. The uh, the comic panel where the tripod's taking the winners of the games towards the city is it, an amazing piece of artwork. Uh, it looks really good. I guess there's not much else to say on this comic, but I just wrote some amusing notes in Pool of Fire, yes. like when they're going to the base, the hideout, and they call it a very secret base, and I just found that <laughs> funny. It's like it's not just a secret base, it's a very... Secret space. Yeah. Oh, oh, Will Will going, sigh, sigh. I, I wrote no notes apart from one thing. Chapter 26 of The Pool of Fire. And it says, Will still pouts weeks after the <laughs> flying machine project starts without yeah. him. And I was just like, yeah. going to love it. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. He is still pouting. Mm. Yes, he is. <laughs> yep. I, li- I like that. It was just Will being sulky. Yeah. I just love that he actually had in the speech bubble... For Will, sigh, sigh. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. There was um, one panel in the Pool of Fire where it showed that land where people were worshipping the tripods and made a, a temple to them. Yes. And also, it might be in the same chapter, or the one around there, was they saw the camels in that oasis and uh, Will wanted to buy one. But Fritz said no. <laughs> one other thing was after Will escapes from the city and Beanpole rescues him, Beanpole, was, as part of his explanation, said he couldn't face going back and seeing Julius after failing, which isn't a reason he gives in the book or the TV series. He just decides to stay and do his own external investigation. But in this one, it's he's yeah. saying he can't. He just couldn't face Julius at that point. Yeah, I liked that aspect. It gave a bit more character to Beanpole. It felt like he'd let him down. Yeah. So it's a very colourful comic strip. All the pages are in full colour. Yeah. Now, they've never been collected outside of the individual issues. Yeah. I'm not sure how hard they are to track down. I know a few years ago, a group of fans uh, got together and did a very limited print run of of them Mm -hmm. in a little bound volume. Uh, But obviously it was like, you know, say 20 people or whatever, we'll have 20 copies. So uh, obviously that's... Never been released for the public. No, and it's been fans who uploaded the scans on various websites that enabled yes. us to check them out. So thank you, fans. Yeah. Uh, they, they are well worth uh, reading, especially because you get to see a visual representation of a pool of fire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I liked the bit when they go to the top of the dome. Oh, 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 and, and mm. they open up the airlock. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed yeah, that, that because I do enjoy that bit in the book as well. Yeah, it's, it's a good scene. It's got a good bit of tension in it, and I like the fact that they they still put that in the, the comic. And I like the slaves saying, oh, the masters are dead, we we better go to the place of happy release now. Mm. Saying, no, no, it's all right, we're just asleep. Just come with us up, up to the top of the dome <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, they're sleeping. I like the effects of the drawings to make them show how affected the 
slaves are by the heat and yeah. gravity and it's showing wrinkles on them and stuff. Yeah, they, and they all look haggard, didn't they? Yeah, they did. It's showing the strain in their faces and bodies. Yeah, it was good, that. But I thought the costumes were more what was described in the books than the TV show. Yeah, the outfits were better. Except for the helmet. I just don't know how they... Cause we've talked about the helmets before. Yeah. Being more of, like a gas mask. Yeah, with a, a filter rather than a... Yeah, not being a, solid. But I suppose it's that. difficult to do that for a visual point of view because you lose part of somebody's face. Yes. And especially like in a cartoon drawing, it's gonna look you're going to go, well, which we already established we got yeah. confused between two of the lads. <laughs> so are we going to get more confused? Because in, in a book, you're going to imagine it and you're still going to imagine that person, so it's different because how your imagination works compared to how something visually is shown to you. Yeah. Are there any other things you, you guys want to say about the Boys Life comic? It was before the TV series. It didn't finish till 1986, so it was spread across... Yeah, but so it's, it's still before the TV series. So I like the fact yeah. that it mm. happened almost in conjunction... Yeah, without any... With being in America, yeah. and, it, and they wouldn't have necessarily known. It was yeah. just weird how somebody had seen these books from the 60s and went, do you know yeah. what, let's, <laughs> let's do these. And mm. I enjoy the fact that it kind of happened simultaneously. Yes. Yeah, yeah it is good, It's though. interesting. And The Pool of Fire had more chapters, didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't an equal number of pages for e- and chapters for each book. They obviously felt it was more important to cover mm. everything for the third book. Okay, we're now going to move on to the Beeb comic. So the Beeb, a.k.a. BBC Junior television magazine, ran a weekly serialised comic strip that acted as a tie-in to the BBC's television adaptation of the books. The magazine was published by Polystyle Publications and launched 5th of January 1985, running till 11th of June 1985 and lasted just 20 issues. The magazine was created as a competitor to ITV's Looking magazine, as well as a replacement for the BBC's own TV comic. Beeb was later followed up itself by Fast Forward in 1989. The comic strip was drawn by John M. Burns and appeared in all 20 issues of Beeb and remains incomplete to this day. There was no announcement in the 11th of June issue that it would be the last one. And so the serialised comic strips, including the tripods, were all left unresolved. The comic starts at some unspecified point during episode 4 of season 1, as the trio pass through ruined Paris. The comic then heads off at a tangent to the television version, with the character of Physio joining the boys from issue 6 onwards. So what are our thoughts on the Beeb comic? I didn't like it. Really? Oh, yeah. Whoa! I wasn't expecting that. I I did like it. I did. Did you get a, a sort of like 2000 AD Judge Dredd kind of vibe from it? Well, I think so. I mean, John, John Burr still, still does artwork for 2000 AD. Yes. And, and, and sort of you had that feel of 2000 AD with the hooligans mm. being the descendants of English football hooligans. Yeah, the language, hooligan players, and they've all got names like Scout, Striker, yeah. Sweeper, Fender. Uh, exactly. And physio. Physio is a phonetic spelling of uh, Physio, obviously, yeah. and she she helps the players. It, 
it's almost a bit like that figure of where comic strips are based on series, but the writer has no idea what the series is like. That's why I don't like it. So I liked the drawing. That's fine. I didn't have an issue with the drawing style. I enjoyed that. What I didn't like about it is the fact that there's just too many things and there was too many things that were just too different and just, I think, took away from the world that John Christopher had actually written. Mm. And I just felt like it was just got nothing to do with it. It was just some random shit that they put together. <laughs> and, yeah, let's, let's fucking slap the tripod's name on it just to sell it. That's what I felt like. Like, if it was a standalone thing, I think it would have been far more interesting. But the fact that it tried to be like, oh, we've got this TV show and we're going to use this, but it's got nothing to do with it, really. Nah, it, it was Shit. The football was only for the first segment of this serial, though. Yeah. Because there were other elements like the mining village where they've got those creepy black oh, eyes. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, oh, but like, there's, like here there's a recap bit on one of the, the ones that I've wrote down where it says, Beanpole is hiding in the stadium roof. Has he been spotted? And it yeah. comes to Beanpole saying, oh, no, I've been spotted. I just feel like it was really shit. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like, oh, come on. You put tension where tension isn't. And... You know, they had three pages. I know, but I think that's why it made it crap. I Rather than it, it, it felt like lots of very little stories yeah. trying to connect together. And I think it just wasn't good. I think it was just... I, I hated it. The characterization was off in one or two places, like Beanpole shouting at Physio, You fool! <laughs> so, okay, Beanpole, you had your coffee that day. Yeah. You fool! Opening the curtains! <laughs> you do wonder. I mean, the writer isn't credited. This was a, quite a common thing in... In British, British comics, comics it? yes, not... uh, there was often a case of comic artists or writers or both not yeah. being given appropriate credit in comics. I mean, John M. Burns, before he worked on 2000 AD, he worked on a lot of girl comics. And interestingly, according to his wiki, he doesn't like sci-fi. <laughs> so it's quite funny that he drew this and yeah. Judge Dredd, but he hates the genre. The current one he's working on is called The Order in mm. 2000 AD, which is time-travelling monsters, historical characters, all kinds of things. So mm. so that's a little bit sci-fi, but it's more fancy Cthulhu kind of yeah. stuff. But even before I looked him up, and as soon as I started reading the comic, I thought, oh, this is giving me a 2000 AD vibe. Yeah. Especially the football hooligan stuff with the strange terminology like transfer Exactly, that's listers. very 2000 AD, that, that kind of setup. Mm. But then it moves on from the football hooligans to a mining village where they left the village when the tripods came to invade. The twenty, years ago yeah, hundred girls, and they decide to hide underground. And for generations, they've lived underground, hiding and only appearing at night to forage for food. I thought that was interesting because mm. again, it's an aspect we never saw in the TV series yeah. or all the books. You know what other people are up to, and other again, people again, it's, it's a bit of a tangent, but. You've got to have some incident for the comic strip, haven't you? And they can't copy what happened in the book. I agree. But where were the characters <laughs> with rickets? If they're not coming out in daylight, they're not getting vitamin D. They're going to get poorly. All right? Yeah, yeah. And then the whole thing about them going out in the daylight, those ones who came with them were like, oh, no, I can't see. You've got fire inside those mines. You've got light. Your eyes can still adapt to light. You haven't been in pitch blackness for hundreds of years, right? That A human body takes far too long to evolve that way. It will adapt, sure, but it still adapts to light and your eyes are still seeing light, so they still would have seen light, so they'd have come outside. They might have just gone, oh, it's a bit bright, but they would have been able to see. It just annoys uh, me. It was an exaggeration, but as someone who used to work in a warehouse who started working before the crack of dawn and we wouldn't leave this windowless warehouse till two in the afternoon, 
soon. We would literally run from the building to the work bus like Morlocks, shielding our eyes from like because it hurts. Yeah, but it then does our hurt. eyes adjusted exactly again. because the cones and the rods in your eyes change yeah. according to the amount of light it can see. And the fact of the matter is, they were seeing light with fire inside the caves. They still had light. Their eyes were still able to do that, and it just really annoys me that they made out that oh no, a bit of sunlight and I'm blind. No, it might have hurt you, but you within five minutes you'll have got used to it and you could have continued on. So one thing that I liked about the comic strips, we saw more red tripods. Yes, we did, including uh, because the tripods. We didn't mention this. Uh, they were kidnapping people to play. Um, tran- to, to, to play this fo- football. To fo- to, it's a very strange football game. Fighting and beating each, scrapping. That's yeah, hooligans. Hooligan players. It, it, it's almost like the tripods are betting on on sides to win as well. Because yeah, because it seems tripods. these two tripods were doing this on the sly without yeah. other masters knowing, so it was secret. They were placing bets and fighting amongst themselves while watching this strange football game. And the hooligan players were the descendants of English away fans. Yeah. Um, It was very strange. And then after that, yeah, you've got the mining village. After that, they discover another abandoned ancient city town. Beanpo ends up falling into an old library. And again, the depiction of him is a bit weird because he's just like completely forgetting everybody else and they're all worrying about him thinking he's dead and he's just like being all, cool books, I'm just going to read all these now. Yeah. Yeah. Then the uh, the fake Freeman turn yeah. up. They're, they're controlled by the tripods still. They've got yeah. caps. But they've got they're... hidden caps because they're wearing false bald caps. Uh, again, such it's, wigs. it's sort of extrapolating from the books, isn't it? Mm. Again, to create incident. I mean, I like that touch that they were fake. They were pretending to be free men and it was just so they could get hold of the map from the boys to find the White Mountains headquarters. Because we did speculate how much do the masters know Mm. that we know the free men are there and and there is a potential risk of infiltrating them. Like, we put that tracker on Will, didn't they? So they knew that they were up to something. I will say there are aspects of the comic that I liked, that being one of them. But then that ends. That ceases. The comics are crap. Uh, Oh, I I (laughs) thought it was funny, though. They give a, a... they give a fake map. Well, it was a real map. It was just from uh, a random well, atlas. Y- y- yeah, he just gave a page of America from it. Yeah. And, like, the the fake Freeman are there in front of this tripod saying, here you go, Master, here's a map. Uh, and, and they just get zapped because they uh, they failed them. Yeah, and after that, the gang hide out in a hut and Henry's sick and a black guard, a real black guard, shows up yeah. and... They ask them what's going on. They're like, oh, we're just sheltering from the rain because our friend is sick. And I'm thinking, you just told a black guard <laughs> your friend is sick, but you're not supposed to get sick, are you, if you count? But- and I say real black guard because earlier I forgot to mention when we had the football hooligans, uh, there was a guy who was a black guard, but he claimed to be one of the free men recruiting boys. And he told the lads, he helped them escape when the tripods were fighting, and he said to, to the lads, take physio with you. And they never trust her from the get-go, do they? No. No, because they're not sure if he's, he's a real free man or not. No, and they're really doubtful about physio because she keeps making mistakes, like opening curtains and stuff to draw attention. So they're trying to work out if she's self-sabotaging the group. Well, it's interesting bringing in a new character. Mm. And, and, and as we've said before, you know, bringing in that gender balance. But it would be interesting to see how they would have written her out, whether yeah. she would have been killed or, or whatever. I know that they were going to do... One final instalment in a, a Beeb annual that was cancelled. Well, I've seen people debating that online because some people said, is it a Beeb annual or was it a Tripods annual? And... I don't think they would have done a Tripods one. There wouldn't have been enough interest. Mm. I suspect it would have been Beeb, but, you know, as you said, it was written. 
I don't know whether it would be paid to John M. Burns said that he did exist when mm. he was asked by, by people. Yeah. But we'll, we'll never know. We'll have to finish it ourselves. <laughs> Purely non-for-profit, of course. And it was while that was happening, Vizio runs off and she ends up staying with an old woman. Yeah, forces her to be her, her, her daughter. Her daughter, because her, what was it, her daughter got capped or something. Yeah. No, got to, taken, essentially killed. Yeah. One of the, uh, you know... Uh, Barbie dolls in a case. Ah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, she was taken away. Yeah. yeah. But what I loved was to escape eventually. Physio gives the old woman a Vulcan nerve pinch. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just found that funny. Yeah, yeah I've read that in my notes as well. Physio does a Vulcan nerve pinch on the old woman. Yeah. Exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, I read that and I rolled my eyes. I literally rolled my eyes because I knew you two'd be getting so excited about yeah. it. And I was just like. <sighs> Great. Yeah, yeah. I've got an exclamation mark next to it because I got excited. Mm, I knew you would. Yeah. Oh, and then they move on to uh, the lake. And what was it? This old man helps them and this He's a vagrant. Yeah. He's invented a hot air balloon. Well, they start off with a rowing boat and it gets smashed by a tripod and then they move on to the balloon and they're like... Oh, yeah. Ridiculous boat, don't they? Mm. My only thing with that was I wonder if that was like a nod to that, you know... Man in the, on the island. island, yeah, you know what I mean. From the, the hermit second. guy, yeah, but the hermit was in the boys' life comic strip, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, he was. Yeah, and then in the vicinity of the lake, when they're foraging for food, they come across a, a really depressed village where everyone's shabby and starving, oh, yeah. except for one guy, the king. The mayor. King of the tripods, he was what oh, it was. Oh, it was oh, called the right. King of the Tripods, and he claimed he wasn't capped, but he was claiming he yeah. could. No, he was yeah. capped. Was he recapped? Because he was re- he was recapped. I think. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. The king of the triples. Yeah. He was capped, but he was cl- see this. He was crooked. It made no sense. Yeah, because he was claiming he could talk to the tripod yeah. and that they were telling him certain instructions. But and bossing the rest of the town yeah. around. Yeah. Including things like he goes off to chill out in the woods and then he decides, oh, I want to go back and tell them that the tripods say to kill the boys. And yeah. A tripod does recap the guy, but it makes yeah. him go mad. Yeah, because yeah, it. it was it because he was already kept so it, it broke him? I've no idea. It made no sense. I'd, I'd lost interest at that point, so well, I was skimming through it. Well, to be at this point, honest. the story suddenly ends. My first reaction was, "Oh, is my file incomplete? Do I have yeah. to go find the rest of the story some, <laughs> on another website?" It's like, oh no, no, no. that's when it ended for real. Yeah, in real life, the Tripods comic never got finished. I literally read it. I sent a picture to <laughs> yes, you did, Becca. Oh yeah. And I sent a text saying, "Is this, is this it? Is this it? Is this the end?" <laughs> I was like, "Is there any more? Have I, have I, have I, have I downloaded this wrong?" <laughs> well, that's what my I thought thought at first. I was like, "Oh," and then I started investigating, found out. No, sure enough, there was only 20 issues. So, so But I will tell you this much. I started writing. I I stopped with my notes after the mine. The mine annoyed me enough to go, right, that's it, I'm done. (laughs) Um, But then I couldn't help myself because the next week captions made me laugh too much because they were so good. They really made you want to read the next one. Oh, go on. Like, next week, cross-questioned. All right? Okay. (laughs) Next week, the prisoner. Okay? <laughs> Who's the prisoner? Next week, now or never. <laughs> and, and a lot of them are crap, but what I love is the last one, the one where it ended, we'll never know. But it says, next week, the flood. <gasps> the flood. Oh, so maybe that's how we got out of the pit. Well, yeah, it was a dam. Yeah, it was a dam, yeah. I think, I think they broke the that's, dam. The format and layout of the strip in terms of things like those captions was very reminiscent of the old 
girls' comics, I used to read like Bunty and Mandy and Judy just in the layout and stuff. Simpler times, simpler comics, less complex than 2008 or, or even Eagle at, at the time. It was good for what it was, and I suppose you felt just like the le- readers of Beeb felt at the time as well, mm. suddenly stopping with no warning this was the last issue. Yeah. I, I don't know if the other stories published had ongoing storylines that were unfinished as well. Well, from what I've read, they were all unfinished. Yeah, because there was what, also oh, Grange Hill. Yeah, was there was one. Grange Hill, Automan, and. Oh, Automan, wow. Yeah, I thought... and something else. Because there were some which were like Family Nest, which were more comedy, and I think yeah, Standalone. That would probably all one page, wasn't it? Yeah, but then there were quite a few serials like Tripods and Grange Hill, oh. and they were not concluded. I bet there's an Angry Grange Hill podcast out there. Discussing how the Beeb cut off their comic strip story. I just hope it was better than the Tripods one. One thing about the Beeb comic strip is it's noticeably full of a lot more action than the TV series did. And perhaps this is what kids at the time, based on the trailers, were expecting the Tripod series to be like. Yeah, it's definitely wall-to-wall Tripods. There's, mm. there's lots of red Tripods yeah. turning up. And, and shooting and, things. Yeah, yeah, they're quite trigger-happy, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah, they, in they, the comic they, they fire at Beeb Paul in the library. They fire at the football hooligans. They fire at the, the fake Freeman that let them down. Yeah. You know. We've got things like buildings collapsing and, and by the sounds of it, the yeah. dam blowing up, balloon yeah. crashes and boats oh, oh, being smashed. Yeah, exactly. They're quite destructive, aren't they? A lot mm. more than they were in the series. Yeah. It, it is that, that kind of cliched action comic aimed at children, mm. isn't it? So this is probably what younger kids at the time were expecting tripods to be like. It, it, it looks amazing. You know, it, even, I think even so. the black and white pages still look yeah, good. Yeah, each uh, issue it would be three pages and two of them would be colour and one black and white. Any final thoughts on the Beeb comic? Well, uh, I'm going to continue it. Ah, OK. And so, so I need to persuade someone to draw it for me. Uh, I'll, I'll write the script. I kind of was glad when it just abruptly ended. Oh, OK. <laughs> After the mine, I wasn't invested. I was just like, nah, it angered me too much. Okay. Oh, we'll see if any of our listeners, uh, what they think. Maybe other listeners agree with you, Dan, and think it was rubbish. Nah, they're all going to agree with you too, because most fans love everything tripods, so... (laughs) We're just all nerds. Yeah. (laughs) She is a total nerd. She's just pretending. I'm not pretending. I am a nerd. I'm just a different type of nerd. Okay. Speaking of nerds, we're going to move on to the computer game. The enthralling, exciting, thrilling, edge of your seat, action packed. <laughs> um, that, yeah, I can't do any more. <laughs> That's as much sarcasm I can do. The Tripods is a graphic text adventure game developed by Redshift and published by Watermill Productions. It was released on the ZX Spectrum and Amstrad CPC 464 in 1985. Releases for the BBC Micro and Commodore 64 were planned, but no evidence they were commercially released on these formats has been found. Redshift were known for producing good quality strategy games, but the Tripods appear to have been the final game released by the company before it folded. The game's programmer is listed as Bill Potts, but the Tripods is their only listed game credit, so it's possible the name was a pseudonym used by another programmer who did not want to be connected to the work. For Tripods cast, we'll be looking at the ZX Spectrum 48K edition of the game. The ZX Spectrum, or Specky as it was affectionately known, was a line of low-cost home computers produced by British technology company Sinclair Research in April 1982. In fact, as this episode comes out, the Spectrum will next month celebrate its 40th anniversary. With only 8 on-screen colours, basic bleepy sounds and sluggish 8-bit CPU, the Spectrum was no powerhouse. 
but with its cheap price, some canny publicity and ubiquity in Britain's high street stores, the computer became a massive hit with consumers. A whopping 5 million spectrums would go on to be sold throughout the 1980s, making the computer in the UK at least a nostalgic cultural icon of the decade. Despite being designed for hobbyist programmers and small businesses, the ZX Spectrum became the UK's dominant computer game platform. Thousands of titles were released in the computer's lifetime, and many legendary game coders, designers and musicians started out making games for this humble format. But despite the Specky being known for its hundreds of great games, the Tripos is certainly not one of them. Now we're going to listen to mine and Dan's playthrough and reaction to the game. So, today on Tripods Cast, me and Danny are going to be playing the Tripods game. Yay! So we've got a co- an actual physical copy here of the Spectrum game. And it says, Tripods is a multiplayer interactive adventure game incorporating superb graphics. Superb. Yeah. So on the front cover, we've got a picture of the tripod. A tripod. Weirdly enough, behind the tripod is the Palace of Westminster. And it's red. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah, why is that about? You never see London in the tripods, and even the game's not set in London. Do you know, it kind of reminds me of 28 Days Later, mm. which I know is 20 years later, but still. Mm. Well, it was coded by someone called Bill Potts. We don't really know any information about them. It doesn't appear they've coded any other games. <laughs> I was going to say they've gone off with the doctor and then turned into a puddle. Spoiler that's, alert. That's probably what happened, yes. <laughs> I mean, quite a lot of Spectrum games back in the 80s were coded by bedroom coders, by teenagers, so it's possible Bill Potts was a teenage fan. Maybe got paid for by Redshift. That's that's just me speculating. I don't know, but if anyone has any information, that'd be cool. Okay, so I'm going to open the box. So, aside from a white cassette, which says record on both sides, we've got a manual, and we've got a map of France. And what have we got here, Dan? A competition! <laughs> We've got a competition card. I'm so excited about this competition. I want to I want to enter and see if I win. Uh, <laughs> I want to read it out. It's not free postless, so you'd have to put a post uh, a stamp, stamp on. on it, yeah. So the tripods competition. With each game of tripods, we'll be giving away five hundred pounds worth of software and hardware of your choice to the winner. So if you want your dream home computer and or software to drive you crazy, free, enter as soon as you open this box. All you have to do is answer one question. So here goes. If Will and Henry left their homes at dawn on July 6th, 2089, and the tripods were first seen in the skies of Earth approximately 100 years earlier, give the exact date that the tripods were sighted. The first person to return to us a competition card stating the correct day, month and year will be announced the winner. In the event of two or more people returning competition cards stating the same date, the winner will be drawn from HAT. And that's H-A-T-T. Not a hat, just HAT. And it says our computer. The competition closes on March the 1st, 1985, and the judge's decision is final. The competition is not open to employees of Watermill Productions, BBC Television and Redshift. Redshift is all about. I don't think so. Mm. What I love about this is, it wants an exact date, but then they say approximately 100 years earlier. So you could make up anything if you wanted. 500 quid's a lot of money. Especially back then, 1985. It is now. True. (laughs) <laughs> so Redshift went bust uh, not long after releasing this game 
Sorry, my speculation that they were bust because of the competition prize. <laughs> so we don't even know if, if anyone won the prize. So this is a graphic text adventure game. Do you know what that is, Dan? Yeah, I mean, it's just and the origin just of a point and click, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's the early day because you had to type in what you wanted it to do. And then in the 80s, you start getting some which had, had additional graphics to show a single static scene of that story. Black Mirror did that, that film, that Choose Your Own Adventure film. Yes, it did. That had... That, that, yeah, this it, kind of... and it was based on this yeah. kind of game. Yeah. Right, so we're going to load up the Spectrum. So even though I've got a physical copy of the Tripods, I don't have a Spectrum to play it on. I did have a Spectrum as a kid, but that was faulty and never really worked properly. So we're going to be using an emulator for playing this. And this is a multiplayer game, so we can have our own character down. Yes! So I'm going to load up the Spectrum now. Oh, don't watch this if you've got Apple up, so... Oh, this is just how it always looks when it was loading. Oh, this is making me, me nostalgic. God, it's making you nostalgic. It's just making me go... Oh, oh, something's happening. Ooh, wow. That's nice. Okay, so we're seeing a loading screen now with the Tripod's TV logo on it, the Redshift Company logo, and a drawing of a tripod with a big green beam coming out of its base. Superb graphics. I do like the Redshift logo. And the stars. I do like the Redshift logo, that is a good logo. And the stars are cool. What is that beam coming down from below the tractor? They don't have beams like that. They have claws that come down and grab people. Not tractor beams. And it's just a light. Like a searchlight. It could be, I guess. I don't think it's meant to be like a beamy up Scotty kind of thing. Mm. A few moments later. Are we still waiting for something to happen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. 12 seconds later. How did you play these games back then? Not done yet. One minute, 37 seconds later. Enjoying yourself, Dad. Mmm! <laughs> <laughs> Christ! At least you didn't have to type stuff in. Some games you had to type all the code in yourself. Imagine that, Dan, having to type in it A4 sheets worth of complicated code just to get your Candy Crush. No. Or Animal Crossing. No. No thanks. Oh! Stuff's happening. And now we're seeing a garish blue and green start screen. There's a simple mountain landscape drawn on it. Do you want to continue your last game or start a new one? I'm going Enter to... your choice. I'm going to start a new game. Okay, go. Enter player name. Can I put my actual name? Yeah. Uh, oh my god. What? <laughs> You're going too fast for the keyboard. So the Spectrum had very spongy, slow keys. There. I press enter. Yeah. <laughs> what would it? So you can start at these places that the map will be helpful for. Ah, oh, yes, the map. Mm -hmm. So pick here. That was a hint, Rebecca. Could you pass me oh. the map? <laughs> oh, yeah, this map. Yeah. Go for it. So she's held hostage. Because I can start at certain places. I've got to get to the White Mountains. And I've got places to choose that I can't pronounce because they're French. And only some of them are on here that's named. But Bordeaux is quite close to the White Mountains. Hmm. So I'm going to start at Bordeaux. Okay, well, I'm going to start at La Rochelle because I have no idea where that is, so I'll go five. Right, you first, Dan. Okay, I'm facing east. 
The next player is Danny. Press any key to go on. The weather is cloudy. Time to nightfall and there's lots of red things. There is no tripod danger. That's fine. And now there's just a lot of random letters. So, left, right, move. I'm assuming that's move. I'll... Uh, <laughs> funny, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's counting down. Well, it'll have to count down because you gave me this after I started it and I need to read the manual before I start it. The game of tripods is based on the BBC television series of the same name. You have to get to the White Mountains somewhere in southeast France if you are to help the free men defeat the tripods. You start at one of the French ports and you must try to find the entrance to the tunnel that leads to your destination. On your way, you will have to cope with the terrain, the weather and the tripods. You will meet people who may help or hinder you. You will need to keep well fed and collect items that will help you on your way. You must try to avoid places where you may meet a black guard. You can spy out the terrain and then decide in which direction to go. L to look left, R to look right, M to move in the direction you are facing. Entering any of the letters or numbers on the action line will instruct the program to perform that action. For example, by pressing P, you will be shown the contents of your pack. Pressing H, you will be shown your health. Pressing C will cause you to make camp for the night. When you run out of either move credits or daylight, you will have to camp for the night. I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's not very, um... I'll eat. How do I eat? Don't you type in eat? Do you need to eat? I don't know. Yes, I need to eat. Well, I think you've got to open your pack. Is it PK? Oh, oh, it's now night. Doesn't like me. I don't know what to do. My go. So my location looks different. I can see a bombed out building over there. So there is no tripod danger. You are facing E. You're facing E? Yeah, I'm facing E. Facing the E. <laughs> Becca is in La Rochelle. Time to nightfall. Several oblongs. Ah, so I moved left. You are facing northeast. The weather is cloudy. Becca is in a field. I'm just going to keep moving forward. You are facing northeast. The weather is cloudy. Becca is by a shop. <gasps> I found a gun. You find a gun, you can pick it up. Ah, but you oh. pressed. It's now night for you. Oh, it's, it's you now. And I can see a tripod. The weather is sunny. Okay, that's helpful. There's no tripod danger. There's a tripod. There's a picture of a tripod, but there's no tripod danger. So. I'm going to move. I'm not going to move because it doesn't like me. But you passed me that bloody manual. Every time you are noticed by a tripod, your immunity to being capped may decrease. If your immunity drops to zero, you may well be capped and you will have lost. If you want to move on and there is a tripod nearby, you will always be noticed and possibly capped if you do not first press T. Pressing T allows you to hide from the tripod. To hide, press H. Can I move now? Actually did something. I'm now fa facing southeast and I've moved. And the weather is sunny. Found some tools. 
I'll pick up the tools. You have it. I'm frozen. Um, it's sunny, but I'm frozen. Or is it because you're hungry? I don't know. The weather is sunny. I don't like this game. Have you camped? I don't know. It, it doesn't tell you if you camped or not. Next place, Becca. Becca is by a village. You have tripods nearby. Oh, no. I have tripods nearby. I'm still by the village. I'm going to turn right. I'm going to move. The tripod has noticed you. You will be tracked unless you are lucky. Your immunity to tripods is reduced. <laughs> what happened to the gun? You're going to say, you shoot a tripod. Go on, you shoot a tripod. Yeah, but where did the gun go? It was there when I went to sleep. Now it's gone. Quickly flick through the manual. When the day clock at the bottom of the screen runs out, you will be forced to camp until the next day. Your food supply will go down as you eat, your health will be improved by the rest, and your move credits will go up. At any time, you can check your health or examine the goods you are carrying. It is as well to be prepared, but too much weight will slow you down. Some of the objects you pick up may not always be of use to you, so to successfully buy, sell, and fight your way through the adventure, don't carry useless objects. Well, that was helpful. I don't understand why you won't let me do anything. The weather is sunny. Becca is on a farm. You find a horse. You can catch a horse. You can leave it. I'll catch a horse. You have no rope. You can leave it. <laughs> it is now night for Becca. I don't think camping does anything. I've got no food, so I can't eat. Because I've thought, you know, we're on, what, day three and I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> Nothing happens. Oh, you see a rabbit. Oh, can I catch it? You can catch a rabbit, you can leave it. You have no snare, you can leave it. Okay. I'm not surprised Bill Potts never wrote any more games. Because it's shite. <gasps> Danny, it might, have it might have been a kid. Yes, but that kid did it when I was, before I was born, so he's now an adult and I don't care. There is no tripod danger, even though I can see a tripod. Well, remember in the show, Henry and Will and Beanpole don't have peripheral vision, so maybe they can't see it. It's getting closer. Hide. Oh. Right. Press H to hide or disorientate them. But I don't have any of those things, so I can't outside. I got away unnoticed. If you catch a horse, your moon credits will go up because you will be on horseback. But remember, you will need something to catch it with. The same goes for catching a rabbit if you are hungry but lacking money. You will need to find something to catch it with. You will also come across water in the form of lakes, ponds, rivers, marshes and the sea. Marshes, lakes and ponds can never be crossed. Once you have started from the port, it is impossible to return and attempt to sail back to England, as Ozymandias could not arrange this facility. It never gives you options to go in any of these buildings, like the farm, the windmill or the shop. You meet a doctor. What? I don't need first aid, but I want food. I have food. 
Yeah, probably. No, no, you have it. You have it. Uh, yeah, you have it. Wow, some actual interaction with a person. Yeah, took food off of him. Becca was by a shop. He just keeps saying, I'm by a shop, but... How do you get to the shop? Ah, you see a rabbit, you can catch a rabbit. You can leave it. You won't be able to catch it because you don't have a snare. I'm leaving it. It's my turn! Why are you doing my turn? I want to look at your pack to I see know, if it's my turn! It's not your turn! Well, do it! No, I'm going to look at my health. Because why not? Because it doesn't want you to look at your health. That's why. What I'm going to eat one? now because... It says I have no food even though I took some from a doctor. Where's this food gone? Yeah, where's the food gone? Let's see if I can get to the shop. You were challenged by a guard. You could fight the guard or you can hide from the guard. Challenge! Fight him! Fight! Fight! Okay, <laughs> there's one then. You have no knife. Oh, fuck. You can sake. hide from the guard. Two. Jesus. You were beaten up. <laughs> <laughs> I got beaten up. Don't even hold me to the uh, be capped. They just beat me up. Sucks to be you. Okay. I'm going to look in my pack. I want my map. Right, so my map does nothing because you can't see it. So what's the point in having a map? Because I would have assumed you'd press map to see if you're getting closer to the area. I don't know where I'm going anymore. Because it's shit. <laughs> During the course of your travels, you may meet many characters. Some are friendly and some are aggressive. For example, in a village, you may meet a villager from whom you could ask for food. He may or may not grant your wish. Remember, though, that people may mistake you for a vagrant who aren't particularly liked. Never mistake a vagrant for a friend, for often as not, he will try to rob you of your food and money. Black guards are always on the lookout for anybody who is new to the area on the assumption that you may not have been capped. They will arrest you and beat you up. You must be bold and cunning, but always remember, only a few ever reach the White Mountains. The weather is sunny, Danny is in the foothills. You found a snare. Oh, picking up the snare. Not like it matters, because I pick up the snare and then it'll disappear. I'm going to pick it up again. Don't carry too much though, because you will slow down. Well, it might make it more interesting. Nothing else has happened. Oh my god, I'm back where I started. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It says I'm back in the Rochelle, I was there, oh, that's where I started. You found some tools, pick it up. Somebody please save me from this game. And why do you keep telling me there was a shop? I, what can I do? It doesn't tell you how to interact with the shop. Because you can't! <laughs> I am rage quit before, yeah, and I, I hate it. I, I hate, I absolutely hate this. Fuck it. Well, the game has finally broke down, so we've got to the end of the week, and... Nothing's happened! And I've got back to my starting point. I've got beaten up by two black guards, and Dan found three snares, and food that disappeared from a pocket. She must have had a hole in it. I don't get the point of this shitty game! Good value for money, then. It was worth twelve ninety nine. No, it wasn't! No wonder it was 13 quid. It's bad omen. Stay away from it. No, no wonder this company went bust. That's all I've got to say. If they're producing shit like this. It might be coded by a key. I don't care.
I mean, I like adventure games, but this is... <laughs> so do I. I like Dungeons and Dragons, but this is a lot of bollocks. I still like a point and click now. This. This was pointless, not helpful, vague. And the manual is confusing. I hate you for putting me through it. <laughs> and you. <laughs> How would you sum up the game? Wank. And what about the gaming experience? Wank. What about the story? What story? Graphics. Oh, that was superb. Music. <laughs> no music! The title screen was good. Oh, well, maybe that's why they got the 2.5 out of 10, because of the title screen. Well, thanks for listening <laughs> to this segment. Hope you had fun. I hope you had fun during my rage of this game. And maybe you too could seek out a copy of this game and have a go yourself. Don't. And thank you to Chris Geraghty who helped us set up the Spectrum emulator and get this game running. Yes, thank you, Chris. You're also going on my list of people I hate. So that was Dan rage quitting the game. What did you think, Dan? You are near a shop. Yeah, that, that sums up a big problem with the game. There's all this stuff mentioned in the manual that never seemed to manifest in the game. Move credits. Move yeah, credits. Move credits I have no idea where the move credits are, how you access them, how you get more, how you what you do with them. How I have you know? no idea. And we kept finding shops. And how you get in this shop, we do not know. It was... <laughs> Never ever worked it out. Me and Chris never worked it out. He's still asking now, saying, Did you ever get in the shop? No. No. <laughs> yeah. She didn't make it to the White Mountains. Nope. God, no. Nope. So in this game, you start off by picking a random port in France. And we chose different ports. And yeah. I think my starting port was further north than Danny's. And by the end of the game, I'd managed to go full circle around France and ended up back at the beginning port, while Dan had travelled northwards from my, her port to my port. <laughs> but another strange oddity in the game is if you encounter tripods and you don't hide properly and they see you, it'll tell you your immunity to capping decreases. I stopped even trying to hide because another thing was you'd say, oh, there's a tripod there. Uh, it hasn't spotted you yet. And you'd be like, all right, try to hide from it. Oh, no, it spotted you. Like, come on. And it was just like... Okay, so I might as well just not bother because nothing seems to happen and it's nothing seemed to happen. But immunity to capping makes no sense in the context of the books anyway because you either get capped or you don't, you can't be immune to capping. Maybe it's just people not being fully aware of the, the books or the story of the series either and, and just doing a slightly generic game. Well, it's one person ah. who made the game, it was Bill Potts. Of course, yes. Bill Potts who was a Tripods fan, do we know much about this Bill Potts? We don't know anything about Bill Potts. We can't find anything. It seems this is the only game they ever programmed. I'm assuming Bill Potts is probably a teenager in their bedroom making this game and then Redshift took it on. Yeah, a lot of fans built things and made games for it, didn't they? So I don't care. I don't care how... how I'm not going to give the kid, oh, they're a kid, benefit of the doubt. At the end of the day, the games company shouldn't have been so fucking greedy. The, the, oh, yes, that's another thing. The games company... Uh, this was the last game they, they went bust after this. <laughs> I wonder oh why. Oh dear. D didn't the cover also have uh, the Houses of Parliament on it? Yes, uh, the cover is very strange. It's, it's sort of more of a world vibe. Which then misleads the customers. Of, of course. And it's weird because some of the sites I've looked at when I've been researching this game even describe it as a War of the World game. Some sites don't know what it is. Look, I played it last week. 
from from this recording. We played it last week. I'm still raging about it now. That's how annoying this game is. Also, what was funny, John, was we turned off turbo mode, so it had to load in real time like it would have done in the oh. 80s. And Dan was like, what's, what, what, what's going on? Why are we waiting? Yeah, I took fucking forever. Thanks again to Chris Garrity for helping us set this up. When I told him he was going to get credited, he said, oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) He he thinks we're masochists for playing it. What's best is, listeners, you've heard me out into this massive rant and rage about it. I admitted to our silent producer (laughs) that uh, I would quite happily try it again with a notepad and pen to try and actually get to the White Mountains this next time. Yep, I am that kind of person. <laughs> well, and certainly in the 80s, that wouldn't have been unknown of. A lot of games like this would have come out of the roots of the early RPG games, Dungeons & Dragons, Choose Your Own Adventure books and so on. But when you're used to modern mechanics, it can throw you sometimes when a game expects you to do that. There was other merchandise released in the 80s that were contemporary with the TV show, including which what we've mentioned before, the tie-in books with the uh, TV stills on the covers and the logo. There was also the single, vinyl single. Yeah, the seven-inch, which our friend Edwin Hiley still has a copy. Mm. And I, I had a look on, on eBay recently. It's going for about £50 if, if anyone still wants one. Uh, they also released the theme on a BC Themes compilation album. Yeah, and there were other things like patches, uh, T-shirts... I will not be capped. Yeah. Uh, I think they were fan creations, though. I'm not sure they were official. Those, the T-shirts. and the yeah. pa- I think the patches, yeah, must have been fan-made. Because I remember Richard said in the interview that they had issues with merchandising. Yeah. But one definite official merchandise that came out was the Viewmaster reels. Uh, how would you describe the Viewmaster, John? It's... So it's 3D viewers. So, so you look at stereoscopic pictures. Yes, stereoscopic. Uh, so it's not quite poking your eye out kind of 3D, but it, it's more realistic and you just hold the viewer to your eyes uh, and it, it it's a round round, disc. R- round cardboard disc with the pictures inside you press the button on the side it spins around to the very image. clunky clunk yeah it's probably about 12 images or, mm. or something like that and then there's a little description of the scene you're looking at yeah so I never saw the tripods one but in the mid to late 80s we had a second hand one from a, a jumble sale and that came with some reels with Doctor Who full circle and I think some kind of animal thing as well, but that's my experience of, of Viewmaster. But again, that's quite sought after now, especially with the tripod reels. Yes, uh, you can easily still buy a traditional Viewmaster, the Kaklunky Klunk one. Because mm. I know there's like modern versions which are more digital, but the Kaklunky. Yeah. You know, I bought a new one recently because, I mean, I've had them before in the past and they always seem to go missing or break. But yeah. Or you claimed it was yours and technically it was our mother's. Yes, it was <laughs> my mum's. that a lot. Yeah, it was my mum's and I broke it. So you can still buy the Viewmasters easily enough, but yeah. buying the discs, oh my God. People are charging stupid money from... Um, it's like going to a point where you're just like, no, nah, I'm not going to pay that. Where are my old ones from childhood are gone? I don't know. Yeah. I had ones for things like She-Ra and My Little Pony oh, back wow. in the day. and Random places in Europe and stuff. I think they must have yeah. been my ones bought my, by my grandparents. It's, it's so basic and simple, and I imagine kids uh, now would weird. be like, what, what's that about? But there was just something about it that had a strange magical quality yeah. to it. I, can't... I, th- I think they only did the first series of the tripods, mm. didn't they? So they had a, a photographer that, that was on location and a studio with them 
taking photographs because it was only so many pictures per per story of, of mm. anything really. So probably like three discs or something. Plus, I can see them not really putting that much effort in when they got told it was cancelled whilst they were filming Series 2, because what's the point in doing merchandise for something that's cancelled anyway? Uh, Of course, we have to also mention with uh, Viewmasters, the reason... I mean, it might seem bewildering to kids now, but a big draw of the Viewmaster was for people to re-experience a particular show or a film they watched, because... People didn't. Not many people had access to VHS at the time or other home formats. So, and if a show was never repeated, you'd never get to see it again. So, it was a way of reliving that memory, that experience of that show. So, it was a quite popular in the seventies and eighties, sixties even for yeah Viewmaster yeah. reels. Some companies like Disney, instead of putting in screenshots of their um, films, they would create brand new dioramas depicting scenes from the film, like yeah. Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty. And they look gorgeous. Wow. So, yeah, so currently people are selling the uh, Tripods Viewmaster discs for about 30 quid. But some discs for some shows go even higher. Like, I've seen people charging, like, 80 quid for some discs. So the there was a model kit released by Comet in the 80s of uh, Tripod, and the base had a little village scene. Although, looking at the photos of it, the ratio is quite odd. You've got teeny tiny houses and a giant tripod. Um, it's almost like they just built it to the wrong scale for some reason. Was that actually released in shops? Yes, I believe it was. And they were going to reissue it in the 90s. In fact, they borrowed Richard Bates' model that he had on his ah. desk to do a 3D scan for the reissue, but they, they didn't release it again. But the one recently went on eBay for about 150 quid. Mm. And I don't know if it was built. It must have been built because there's photos of it. Yeah. That's one I've not heard come across before when looking for merchandise. Yeah, it, it's obviously uh, so obscure. It's like the thing of uh, the video games listed as Underwater the Worlds. In recent years, um, I've noticed uh, Tripods fans have been making their own merchandise using things like printing and red bubbles to make things like T-shirts, bags, kitchen aprons with the logos on it, whether it's the Tripods logo or a cap or the pink parrots. yeah. Uh, as as a pink parrot t-shirt, I I own uh, designed by Clayton yeah. Hickman from Red oh, Bubble, yeah. uh, and also there's been people sell on on eBay really nice looking 3D uh, plastic kits of tripods and yeah, uh, 3D and, and masters. What else have we had? Uh, some people are selling uh, models of the uh, cap TV show cap. Oh yeah, I think I've seen that too. Ken Freeman released uh, a couple of CDs yes. of of his. Uh, TV soundtrack. Yeah, so there's been the CDs. Then, of course, there was the inevitable VHS releases, free volumes. Mm. And then, after a while, another company, I've forgotten who it was, licensed it. Was it Revelation Pictures or Films? They made a series one on VHS as a box set, two tapes. And then they did a DVD a few years later of series one. See, and, and and always stumbling, a bit like mm. the TV series, never-ending. And the comic. Uh, and then eventually in 2009 we got the series one and two. Finally, complete DVD box set, yeah. which included, in the special features, The Cult of Tripods and the Andrew Pixley booklet. Uh, and Ken Freeman's oh, Will Ken of Fire yeah. score as well, which he created for that. Is there anything else? I'm not sure. The Tripods cast beats towel, but we haven't released that yet. John, uh, I've heard you've been talking to someone recently about a new piece of merchandise. That's right. Chris Jones, a Tripods fan from New Zealand, has been working on the definitive 
and only behind the scenes guide to the television series. So like the Star Cops above the law book, is it? Yeah. We're now reaching the point where these obscure programmes that deserve a book like Star Cops are finally getting one. Yeah. So I I spoke to Chris earlier this week uh, about the book. Hmm. Uh, Have a listen. So I'm joined by Chris Jones from New Zealand, who is working on a book about the behind the scenes of a tripod television series. Hi, John. How are you doing? All right. Uh, I have a cold, but uh, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll survive. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. So what can you tell us about the book, Chris? Well, the book has been on the go since 2004. The first conversations about the book uh, came up. And that was myself, uh, Adrian Andrews, uh, who was, of course, the League of Freemen um, curator, and and Jim Baker as well. So Jim's been in there from the start too. And over the years, it's gone through many different um, iterations. Our good our good friend in the in the league, uh, Graham Richards, took up the mantle at, at one point around 2010 and did a bunch of great interviews with uh, people who have since passed, like Graham Theakston and and Chris Barry, who we don't have access to anymore, but. The book, which is under the working title of, of How We Made the Tripods, is really a deep dive into exactly how they did that. It's, it's the voices of the team who made the tripods, and it's a bit like the podcast here, John. It's, it's those other bits around the periphery of tripods as well, including Sam Yeld, John, John Christopher, and, and all the wonderful work that he did before and after the tripods. Were you able to interview Sam for the book? Specifically for the book, no, because he, um, we, we became good friends through that last sort of 10 years or so of his life, but I didn't ever interview him specifically for the book because he said, you, you can do the book. I, I, I can't stop you guys from doing the book, but you know that I'm not overly fond of the of the TV series. So I, I, didn't, I didn't push that. But we do, we do have another interview with Sam, which was part of that... Uh, BBC cult documentary yeah. uh, back in 2006 so so there's an interview with Sam there but uh, not one specifically that we did with Sam for the project I mean pretty much everyone else but uh, but not but not Sam fortunately Rose and Nick his his kids who now publish his his books and, and keep them in print have been fantastic we've we've done a lengthy interview and they continue to be of plenty plenty of help it's interesting how over the last 10 years or so, it's now become the thing to do a behind-the-scenes book on almost the most obscure of TV series, you know, from cult detective series to things like this. Obviously, there's been a lot about Doctor Who and Star Trek, and now it's like, where is the Tripods book equivalent? And here it is. Exactly, yeah. And I th- look, I think that that absence of, of a Tripods book is what um, what drove it at the very start. It was it was going mm. into bookshops and standing in the movie and television entertainment section and seeing this, you know, dozens of different Doctor Who books, all the um, Star Wars books, coverage of all sorts of big name brands that in my view uh, were, were no more cutting edge and important in their time than what the BBC and Richard Bates managed to achieve. Of course. We, we want it to be remembered as more than the series that got cancelled before it was finished. And from doing the podcast, it's obvious there's a lot of, of love out there for the books and the series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very passionate fan base, isn't it? And, yeah. And, and we're all part of that. It's uh, you, you have to be a massive fan of something like the Tripods to invest this significant amount of time in, in yeah. bringing the story uh, out to those who are interested. Uh, but I think the great thing about Tripods is that irrespective of the cancellation of the show and so 
on, there will always be this really strong piece of literature that started it all mm. in the John Christopher books. And so it's always got that extra strength to it, irrespective of, of being a cancelled series. Yeah. So it's always got plenty plenty else going for it. I, I know you've had access to scripts and production documents and all kinds of behind-the-scenes photos. What's been the most interesting or rewarding thing that you've discovered in the process of writing the book? Oh, yeah, interesting and rewarding. Um the most interesting thing is finding out from people what happens in the rest of their life. It's like the, the people who spent two or three years on the tripods, that, that doesn't completely sum up their life. I mean, for some of them, it, it was the, the highlight of their time in the entertainment industry. Others have gone on to, to do huge things in, in Hollywood and, and are on the, all the blockbusters that come out now from the Avengers to you know your latest Netflix series and so on. So it's hearing those stories from all those people. I think the thing that really sticks with me is just how heartbreaking it was for for those who had invested so much time making this this series, which was a very difficult series to make, uh, just just to have the rug ripped out from underneath them. Hearing about that heartbreak firsthand is, uh, yeah, it's tricky. And, and we've had some conversations which have which have been quite emotional actually for for those who are sort of recounting that time, and so. In a way, it's uh, maybe a little cathartic in that way. How close is, is the book? I, I know it's one of these things of it's ready when it's ready, but c- could you give any kind of idea of, of, of when you think, right, that's it, uh, I'm done with it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, look, I'll tell you what, if that, um, that 40th anniversary that I mentioned, I think is what we're, it's what we're heading for. Yeah. And I'd like to think it's that the book is not going to be the only thing. I would really love to think that it's part of a wider celebration. Yeah, I'm going to put my stake in the ground and say that that is the intended release. Yeah. I know that that is over two years away. However, given the project has been around for about 18 years now, yeah. that, that indicates that in the timeline of a project, we're now getting pretty close. Yeah. We have pretty much all the information that we need. It's a, it's a case of making sure that this is presented in the way that is going to give reverence to the series that we all that we all love and that it's going to be a beautiful um, keepsake for everybody who's been waiting all those years of course put put me down for a copy all right there you go we'll make sure you you get at least one there john oh th- thank you thank you chris yeah no that's cool and congratulations on all the fantastic work that the the four of you been been doing and i include kevin and in that all the amazing technical work behind the scenes and on the graphics so thanks for having me on there it's been great to speak to you thank you That was Chris Jones. It was great to speak to Chris to hear about his experiences of, of watching the TV show in New Zealand. I don't think this was recorded for our interview. He said that originally the show was edited for New Zealand television. Mm. And it wasn't until he saw Friends recording the full episode, you know, it's hang on, this bit's new, I don't remember that. So it, it's interesting to see that even in the mid-80s, New Zealand television was still editing children's TV shows. Because I know they did it a lot for Doctor Who in the 60s and 70s. What kind of things were they editing out? Was it violence? Yeah, it's like moments of terror where a tripod would be menacing or uh, or, or the back guard. So what did that leave <laughs> in the show of, in terms of the tripods? Presence? I don't know. Nothing. It's uh, it's a good point. But uh, just going back to the book, it's it's nice to see that, that, that at last the book will hopefully get the recognition that the series, mm. series deserves from people. Because it won't just be a handful of hundreds of, of tripods fans you know hopefully 
genre TV fans and researchers will, will want to read this too. Yeah. And it's good that Chris is bringing out this book to yeah raise awareness and recognition of how awesome the show was. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of Tripods Cast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And remember, you can contact us with any comments and suggestions. You'll hear where you can do that at the end of the programme. I hope you'll join us next time when we talk about the legacy of the Tripods and its fandom. So that's me, Rebecca Ray, Danny Ray and John Isles saying goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Tripods Cast. If you'd like to contact or comment on the show, email us at tripodscast at gmail.com, Twitter at tripodscast, Facebook tripodscast, Instagram tripodscast, and Reddit r slash tripodscast. Special thanks go to Chris Geraghty and Chris Jones, featuring Gareth Preston as the Games Master, recording and post-production by Kevin Hiley.